Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise ye the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another broadcast right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. I want to thank you so much for your faithful listening and for your support of Kingdom Rock Radio. Remember, as we say here at Kingdom Rock, when you give, people live. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for supporting the broadcast and your financial donations, as well as your prayers. Every little bit counts. Some of you may have given $5 or $10. Whatever you have given toward the broadcast, it just helps us to stay on the air. And I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you have not had a chance to give, my friend, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org and just click on the Give button. And uh, you can do it there. Or you can just mail in your donation at P.O. Box 1285, Bremen, Georgia, 30110. That's P.O. Box 1285, Bremen, Georgia, 30110. And I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, on today's broadcast, here comes another message that I pray will bless you richly. It is entitled, The Wild Child. So sit back, relax, and get ready. Here comes the rich word of God. The wild child. I wonder how many of you were or are a wild child. Before we get into that, uh, these scriptures will not be on your screen. I want you to get them in your Bible with me. Go with me in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. And let me tell you some things that the Lord has on my heart right now. Um. And we'll get to the wild child in just a few moments. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. And uh, I'm going to read three verses, verses six, seven and eight. Revelation 19. And then we'll go further. Revelation 19, verse six, seven, eight. Are you ready? If you're at the if you're in the front of the book, you've gone the wrong way. Revelation, the last book, and it's actually called the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revealing of Jesus Christ. But Revelation 19. Are you ready? Verse number six. And it says, I'll be reading to you out of the King James Version. It says, and it says this. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters. And as the voice of mighty thunders saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Verse number seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Why? For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife. Other translations also translate this word bride. For his wife have done what? Made herself ready. Say with me. She's made herself ready. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, white. I'm sorry, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of who? Of the saints. Now, you need to know that when the Bible talks about here, and especially in this context, when it talks about the bride of Christ or the, the lamb here is the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the lamb, of course, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the lamb. So this is talking about a marriage ceremony between the lamb, Jesus Christ, and his wife. Okay, and his wife. Now, if you're thinking of marriage in the typical human sense, um, human marriage is a shadow of what would take place in the spirit. What would take place at the end of time. Everybody understand that? Human marriage is a shadow of that. And I'll show you that just a, a few moments. But it says the, the, the wife here or the bride had made herself ready. The bride is the born again believers that have made themselves ready. Many have said the bride is the church. But the bride is the remnant that has come out of the church. Hear me. The bride here is not all of the church because not all those that name the name of Jesus are making themselves ready. Hallelujah. And it is extremely unfortunate. It is extremely unfortunate that I keep hearing even this. Um, I think the Lord just allows me to hear these things so I can bring it to your attention. It's extremely unfortunate that many that name the name of Jesus are still living as the world lives. That's not making yourself ready. As a matter of fact, um, there was a, a young lady who had just married. I mean, she was a part of, the, of a local church and she just married her pastor. You know, wow, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Lady asked her, uh, well, why did y'all get, get married? You, there was no rush. The young lady said, well, I just got tired of living in sin with my pastor. I got tired of sinning with my pastor. They were having premarital relations. That was the reason that she gave for getting married. And so now the marriage is in trouble because he is now going with someone else. So these are individuals that claim to be knowing Jesus. Raising our hand, clapping, dancing, singing, preaching the word, but living just like the world. And there are many more because the sin in many pulpits is only the tip of what's going on in the pew. Are you hearing? So what am I saying again? The bride those the bride of Christ now understand a bride think about a husband and wife relationship in the earth these things are a shadow of what it will really be as husband and wife as me as I am married and my wife is married and the wonderful thing is that we're married to each other what she has is mine and what I have I gladly have given to her are you hearing? No, we won't say it like the world says it. What I have is mine and what she has is mine. <laughs> no. We are one. So the Lord uses the illustration of marriage to illustrate a truth that will be happen happening throughout eternity. And the Lord says there several times what he, what he has received from the Father, he gives it to us as his bride. And there's a communication back and forth being one with him. Remember, in marriage, the two become one flesh. And what the Lord is conveying here is that his bride, 
And we, and we know what Bride talks about a marriage, a wedding. You know, when you have a wedding day, the bride gets herself ready. There's a little bit more extra something put on in, in all this other stuff to go before uh, to go before the preacher, so to speak. Isn't that right? There's a little bit, little bit more that goes on. So the bride makes herself ready. I need to ask you the question, are you making yourself ready for the Lord? Because if we're living just like the world is living and we're not observing Christ, we're not worshiping him, we're not honoring him, we're not seeking after his face, we're not making ourselves ready. If we're still living in compromise, we're not making ourselves ready. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.12. Let me get this to you. It says, uh, you can write this down, Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my absence only, but now much more. I'm sorry, not. Let me start again. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not sure if any of you. Now, this workout is not talking about a gym experience. You're going to work. I'm working out for Jesus. Work out your own salvation. I'm not sure how many of you have had before uh, some cream that was really thick. And you really had to work that thing into your skin before. You had to work it into your hands. It was so thick. You had to really work it, work it through. Or many of you ladies, you like to cook and you had to work the dough. You had to roll that dough. You had to work it. You had to roll it, work it, all the ingredients all the way through. So this talks about salvation, working your salvation through, working it out. In, in other words, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus at the altar or wherever you were at that point, that's not the end. That's that's only the beginning. Someone getting saved is not. We say, oh, wow, someone got saved. Woo! That's great. Well, on the well, on the calendar of God or the schedule of God, all that happens that someone came in the front door. Now, that's good. We're glad you came in the front door. But now let's move on through the entire house. There are so many rooms to explore. Just like if you want to go to Six Flags. You bought your ticket. Praise God you got saved. Wow. Praise God you got saved. Wow. Praise God you got saved. Wow. Praise God you got saved. Praise God you got saved. Wow. Praise God you got saved. Praise God you got saved. Praise God you got saved. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know. It just, just comes over me from time to time. I feel the song and got to go with it. So, praise God you got saved. Ho! You got in the front door of Six Flags, you got through the gate. I don't know anybody who buys a ticket at Six Flags or Disney World. You get, you get in the front date, uh, the gate and you just stop. You don't ride any rides. You don't go to any of the shows or anything like that. You just stay right there at the front gate and just stand there and look around and say, wow, I'm in here. Wow, I'm in here. Wow, wow, I'm in here. And just sit right there. 
But unfortunately, that's what's happening to many uh, within the halls of the church. You got saved. Wow. Praise God, you got saved. Praise God, you got saved. Oh, my God. If I had a beat right about now. So that happened. And that's wonderful. But there's so much more for us to explore within the kingdom of God. There's so much more for us to explore within God's kingdom. So much more. And so the scripture says again in, in Revelation 19 that the bride has made herself ready. You've gone on from salvation and now you're going on to develop an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now you're going on and you're developing and you're discovering more and more your dependency upon him. Your dependency upon him. Amen. Let me show you one more scripture. Uh, you can turn to here if you like. Uh, Ephesians 5. This also gives you a good example of what marriage is, what marriage is, what marriage should be. Now, here again, human marriage is only a shadow of what the real actually is. What the real actually is. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the groom. All right. And his church, those that have made himself, made themselves ready uh, he calls the bride. Now, the word bride, as is, is in uh, Revelation 19, that does, that, that does not denote gender. So I, a man, can be a bride. Because it doesn't talk about gender. It's really a title. Are you hearing? So if men, we can be considered as brides, sisters, I don't want you to be offended when God calls you sons. Are you hearing? Because again, it's not talking about when it talks about sons of God, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sons not talking about gender, male or female. It's talking about it's a title, it's a position. So when God calls you, ladies, he says, uh, you are a son of God. You say amen. When God talks about me bring his bride, I say amen. amen. Because I know it's not talking about gender. He's talking, this is a title, a position, a position of favor and honor with God. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Remember, the Bible says that in Christ, there's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek, but we're all one in him. There is no division in Christ. We become new creatures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So I want you to see a good example here in Ephesians 5. And uh, I want you to see here in uh, verse number uh, Twenty-four. It says, "Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it." You see the similarity here. Verse twenty-six: that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. That's happening now. This is what Jesus is doing with us if we are allowing Him to make us ready. Now, we can resist him. We can resist Christ. We can resist the spirit of God. We can, that's the Bible calls it grieving him. We can grieve the spirit of God by not, by not allowing him uh, to have his full way in our lives. We can do that. But it is those who decide, Lord, I yield to you. I yield to what you're doing in my life. I say yes to you. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm willing to make the sacrifice to get into your presence, to get into your will. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. It is these that make themselves ready. A question occurred to me. 
and I guess we'll get to the wild child, maybe not, a question occurred to me, and I once asked this question. If someone told you that um, God was in a certain place, certain place, I mean, Jesus Christ in his fullness, he said he's going to meet you in that place at five o'clock. Jesus in physical form, physical bodily form. And he says, I will meet you there. If you meet me at place number X at five o'clock, you and I will spend one week together and you'll be able to ask me anything. The Lord said, you'll be able to ask me anything you want. You'll be able to uh, you pray and you're going to get immediate answers and we'll fellowship one with another. One week, I'll be right there waiting for you. I wonder how many people would say, hey, I'll go. I'll go. Lord, you're telling me, hey, I'll go. But what what if the price was you can do this, but it's going to cost you everything you got. It's going to cost you everything you have to get to me. It's going to cost you your car, your house. It's going to cost you all the money in your bank account. To get to me, the Lord said to get to me, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. I wonder how many would say, I'll still go. See, those that would say truly within themselves, Lord, whatever price, you know, for your glory, I would do anything just to see you. To behold you as my king. Right? I'll do anything. That same, the same thought is still present. What would you do to obtain his presence in your life now? He's still the same. He still agrees to meet with you. But would you be willing to lose a little sleep? You would be willing to lose everything, but would you be willing to get up early in the morning and seek his face? Would you be willing to give your time, your talent, your finances to stay in his will? Hallelujah. And it goes on here, Ephesians 5. It says again, husband, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. This is what Jesus is doing right now. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Taught men to love their wives, even as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So that's all I want to bring to you this morning. Before we really get into what we need to get into today, you have to make yourself ready. So all this fake and pretender stuff and compromising stuff and all that, we need to get before God and repent before him. The Lord knows that it feels good to your flesh. But we've got to take that feel good to the flesh stuff. We've got to take it to God and talk to him about it. The Bible says that we can confess our faults one to another. Sometimes it is very therapeutic, uh, spiritually and and, um, psychologically, emotionally, to tell somebody else about the struggle. And as you do that, they pray with you, stress or uh, burdens are released. 
You're bringing light into a dark situation. But if you just keep it to yourself and suffer by yourself, you suffer, you say, I'll pray by myself. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'll pray by myself. I know God will come. I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt. I don't, you have the faith of God in you. I don't doubt that he will come, but you will go through misery and a lot of unnecessary pain and torture while you're waiting on deliverance. When you could have gone through, could have had what you've been wanting a lot sooner had you simply opened your mouth and talked to somebody. I can't get no talk in here. Praise Jesus. Let's go now to the book of Mark, Mark 9, Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. This will appear on your screen as we speak from the subject today of the wild child. The wild child. Ask your neighbor, are you a wild child? Feel free to answer, by the way, if you like. Uh, we will see. I, I hope not, but we will actually see. Once you see the context of the scripture, here we go. Y'all ready to read with me? All right. Y'all ready for sermon number two? All right. Turn to neighbor. First of all, please tell them we got to get ready. Jesus is coming soon. All these events that are happening now, killings and mass killings and all this stuff, all of that tells you uh, that the Lord is coming soon. And he's coming back for a church that's, that is without spot or wrinkle for a bride that have made herself ready. Amen. So let me say this one more time. If there are areas or let me, not if those areas in your life that you are compromising in those areas in your life where you are failing in talk to God about it. Talk to the Lord about it. And then ask him for someone that is spiritual, someone that is not a gossip or a gossiper, someone that you can trust and lay some of those burdens down and tell them about it and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? Would you pray with me about this? Do not suffer in silence. Get somebody to pray with you. Turn to name Delam. Do not suffer in silence. Get somebody to pray with you. Tell somebody else, do not suffer in silence. Get somebody. Find somebody to pray with you. There should be somebody that you can trust. Say, I don't have nobody I can trust. Well, I wonder if individuals say that I don't have nobody I can trust. Maybe that means that you yourself are not trustworthy. Now, that was fresh bread, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Let's just keep smiling and looking straight ahead. Mark 9, verse, 20, uh, verse 14 through 29. Briefly here this morning, we'll start on this today. Lord willing, we'll pick it up next time. Mark 9, verse 14 says, And when he came to his disciples, now this is after the transfiguration process, you know, on the mountain with Peter, James, John, the Lord Jesus, uh, shown, uh, he revealed himself in all his glory, or at least as much as they can contain in that moment on the hilltop. And his clothes, his clothes shine like lightning. He himself, his clothes and his face shine like lightning. Can you imagine that? How many of you have ever seen lightning before? That bright, bright white. So here is 
Jesus standing there in this bright light, bright. Now he's not standing in the light. He is actually the light. The light is coming from him. And so they come down from that. And uh, the, the other nine disciples were still in the valley. And uh, this is where we come up on this. All right. It says, uh, and when he came to his disciples, um, he saw a great multitude about them uh, the, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, say beheld him, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. Many translations and scholars say that when the people were the reason that they were amazed and running to him because he was still glistening. The glory was still quite visible. Much like Moses went on the mountain and he um, talked with the father and he came down and the glory was seen on his face. So he was still glowing. Praise God. We save a lot of money on flashlights once we get our stuff together. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm ready for mine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Call me light bulb. Whatever. Praise God. I'm ready for the glory to be manifested on my life. Amen. How about you? Are you ready for the glory? Hallelujah. All right. So. All right, so they were amazed and they ran, ran to him and they saluted him or they greeted him. Verse 16, and he asked uh, the scribes, what question ye with them? What, 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 what are you talking about, my boys? What, what, what's going on, Mr. Wilson? What, what's going on? Wilson, Willis. All right, anyway, verse 17. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. Gene is, okay, Willis. Verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have uh, brought unto thee my son, which hath a, what kind of spirit? A dumb spirit, which means a mute or someone that cannot speak, uh, which have a dumb speak and a dumb spirit, rather. Verse 18. And uh, whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him and he foameth and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake, uh, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And they what? They could not. Verse 19, uh, he answereth, he answereth him and said, O faithless, what generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Verse 20, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and waddling, foaming. 21 and he asked the father how long is it uh, ago since this came upon him and he said of a child verse 22 and oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters uh, to destroy him but if thou canst do anything have compassion on us and help us verse 23 Jesus said unto him what if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that what believe it and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears lord i believe help thou mine unbelief when jesus saw that the people came running together he rebuked the foul spirit saying unto him thou dumb and deaf spirit i charge thee come out of him and enter no more into him uh, the spirit cried and the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that they in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he what? 
And he arose. Verse 28. And when he was come and when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. Jesus, come here. Okay. Yeah, boys, what's going on? Jesus, why couldn't we cast that devil out? Jesus responded and he said unto them, this kind cannot, rather this kind can come forth by nothing but by what? Prayer Prayer and fasting. So on Wednesday night, we really started something and the Lord really is really just getting, bring this up into my, my spirit today for the time that I'm supposed, I'm supposed to give this to you for the short time we have left today. In Romans 10, the Bible talks about uh, Paul said his desire for Israel was that they might be saved. The word saved there, I believe it's in Romans. I believe there's Romans 10, 1 or Romans 10, 3. And it talks about the word saved there coming from the Greek word soteria. And soteria, uh, soteria, it does mean uh, saved as in salvation, but it also means to be uh, delivered from molestation. Molestation meaning harassment. His people were constantly harassed, constantly harassed. And I'm not sure how many of you have had something that constantly harassed you. Someone, something, some situation that comes in and harasses and it comes and it goes and it comes and it goes and it destroys your peace. It destroys your peace. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You have no peace. No matter where you go, you, there's peace. There's nowhere to be found. But it's not that way all the time. It just seems to come and it seems to go. It seems to traffic in and out of your life. Part of Paul's um, prayer was that Israel, the people of God, would be saved or would be soteria. That is delivered from harassment. Not just harassment physically, but there are spiritual beings, evil spirits, evil powers that can traffic in and out of life and bringing torment with them when they come and torment and breaking your part when they go. This is a story of this wild child, a life that has been tormented at different times, different stages. And he has come to Jesus, come to the disciples. The father of this child has come to Jesus to deliver his son from this torment. You'll find actually uh, there in um, the book of Matthew, Matthew 17, verse 15. The Lord says here, 17, 15. This is the same account out of the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew 17, 15. It says, Lord, this is the father of the child speaking to Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. You can bring that up on the screen for me, please. That's the very next slide. Thank you. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. This is the same account. And sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Now, the word lunatic here means to be moonstruck. Can you say moonstruck? Moonstruck. Uh, Of course, it means lunatic. Uh, And and a little bit deeper into this word lunatic, it also means to be epileptic. Okay? Or this spirit on the child is manifesting, manifesting himself or showing himself through the signs of epilepsy. Now listen, it was believed 
that um, this condition would move in and out of this person uh, according to the changes of the moon. When the moon increased, they seemed to get worse. When the moon decreased, they seemed to get better. But always the conditions seemed to worsen with the moon. So the father said to Jesus, my son is lunatic. My son is lunatic. In other words, he's not always like this. He's not always like this. But something comes upon him when it gets dark. Something comes upon him. Something changes him. He's not like this. My son is lunatic. He changes. Something comes upon him and goes over him. And just like the natural um, natural day or natural hours, the sun goes down, moon comes, as we say, you know, is out. And then morning comes and it goes. It's like a spirit trafficking in and out of an individual. And we say, uh, as a matter of fact, let's look at uh, look at this in Matthew 12. You can turn your Bibles here. Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. So just go with me for a moment. Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. Let's talk about this trafficking of a spirit because, listen, this stuff is real. And I'm not telling you that everyone with epilepsy has a spirit. I'm not saying that to you at all. I'm not saying to you as well that any that anyone who um, who is bipolar has a spirit. But I, what I am telling you is that that there are some real threats. And I'm not telling you that every born again believer. I don't believe that a born again believer, first of all, can be demon possessed because the spirit of God is already in there. He's already in the house. But a born again believer can be oppressed. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. You can be oppressed. This oppression is kind of like dark clouds hanging over and, and glooming over your life. Oppression is like you keep hearing the same things over your life. These thoughts keep coming in waves and waves. Same situations keep coming in waves and waves and waves. And it builds up a dark cloud over your life. And it doesn't always happen. It's not happening all the time. But it just happens sometimes. And when it does come, it is very tormenting and it is very vexing. I want to know what I'm talking about. I wonder if anybody has, has ever, ever had this happen in your life when you, were, when you were so tormented at night, you were glad to see the sun come up. You were praying for the sun to come up. Because the torment was so great. This is not a possession. Many times this is simply an oppression, something pressing into your life. These are demonic powers. But again, Jesus said, I give you power over uh, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He talks about the power in his blood, how we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies. Let's look at some of this trafficking of the spirit here in uh, Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. It says this, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he 
and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now notice that word wicked generation once again. Now what am I talking about? What are we saying? What are we saying? I'm saying that it is very possible. You have to tell me whether your life fits these guidelines or not. But there is fear. Fear is another spirit that can traffic in and out of a life. Depression is another fear. There's another spirit that can traffic in and out of a life. Neg- a lot of negative emotions can traffic in and out of a life. Now, again, there can be signs. You say, well, I don't know where these feelings are coming from. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what I've caused to do this. And many times we'll even rear back and we'll blame God for the condition. But it's not God that causes this. Understand something. Many times there is a door that has been left open that the spirit uses to traffic in and out of your life. There's a door. There's a window. There may be something that is um, that is unrepented, something that is unresolved. That needs to be closed, shut, and covered by the blood of Jesus. And once these doors are closed, shut, covered by the blood of Jesus, then that spirit can no longer traffic there. But you've got to ask God to reveal it to you by his spirit. It may not be, but listen, here again, it could be an unrepented sin. It could be some object that's in the house. It could be some relationship. I don't know what it is, but if there is something that comes over your life in waves, waves of terror, waves of torment, if it comes over your life in waves, you're going to have to seek God as to what the issue is with this. And if these things are happening, regular, just regular old prayer won't move it. Jesus said this kind. Of this type of lunatic, lunacy, this kind, this kind comes out by one thing. Well, he gave us two by prayer and what? And fasting. Now, prayer and fasting does not move the heart of God. Prayer and fasting changes you. Prayer and fast, prayer and fasting builds within you the type of faith that is required to move this mountain. Does that make sense to you? So we want to talk, we want to really break down, um, really get into Mark 9 and really break this down and get deliverance and get deliverance. Because here's the thing, your life does not have to be tormented. You don't have to live in torment. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in fear. Hallelujah. You don't have to live in any type of oppression whatsoever. You don't have to live as a wild child. Where something comes over you and you become like someone else. Hallelujah. Let's go for another five minutes and then we're going to cut out, uh, cut out for today. I don't want to overload you. Y'all getting anything out of this? So let's go back now. Let's go back to um, Mark 9. And let's look. Verse 17. It says, and one of them, rather one of the multitude answered and said, Master, 
I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Let's stop right there. Dumb meaning uh, mute, cannot speak. So we see here an evil spirit that has robbed this young man of his voice, robbed him of speech. He, it won't let him talk. Here's a child that is silent. The spirit comes upon him and the first thing that happens, he can't talk. Since the spirit has come, he can't talk. He cannot speak for himself. He cannot communicate his feelings. He can't communicate with his father. He has robbed him of his voice. And when someone is robbed of their voice, robbed of their ability to communicate, they begin to be introverts. They begin to, uh, to, uh, to search inwardly. They're not aggressive. They're not outwardly. They're not outgoing. They begin, they begin to be introspective. They go into themselves. When they have no voice, nothing to speak out. He said, this, in essence, this spirit has robbed my son of his voice. It has robbed him of his voice in verse 18. And then he begins to tell him what happens when this thing comes on him. Now, I want you to see this. It says, and wheresoever he taketh him, the word take there means to seize. He is seized. I need someone to come up and give me, let me get a good example of being seized. All right, come on up here, James. James is going to help illustrate what does it mean to be seized. Now, the fact that the Bible says, stand over there, please. The fact that the Bible says seized means that, again, it's not on him all the time. Okay? It says, again, and wheresoever he taketh him. In other words, he seizes him. Come here, Jane. Stand right there, okay? Don't worry, it's okay. It's okay. Seize. Thank you, James. Seizes him. Hope your shoulder's not hurting. Seize it, comes over. It arrests. Now, when something arrests, anybody ever had a thought that just arrests you? You just, I didn't think about that. Or a or a thought of fear, something has happened. Your day was fine, but then here comes this thought, something has happened, and then your day has just spiraled down from there. You can't think about anything else other than what just happened. This thing just seized you. The thought was so powerful, the feeling was so powerful that it took over your entire day. Anybody know anything about that? It wasn't always with you, it just came. So the Lord says here, he said, he, uh, and wheresoever he taketh him or seizes him. And then it says he teareth him. Now, this is a very uh, powerful word here. To tear means to, uh, to tear in pieces, to break through of a demon causing convulsions in a man possessed. He breaks through. Once the spirit takes 
and then it breaks through. In other words, it begins to manifest. Now, I don't for a moment now, I don't want you to see, uh, you know, somebody's head going around in circles and green goo coming out of their mouths and all that stuff. You're missing it. Not saying that doesn't happen, but this we're not talking about that today. I'm talking about how a uh, sense of anger can come over you all of a sudden. And then you begin to manifest very hateful things and hateful words are now coming out of my mouth. And I'm saying hateful, 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 hateful things to you. Or sad thoughts come over and all of a sudden I begin to. (sighs) Well, you begin to manifest or. It begins to appear. What that spirit is begins to appear in you. Now, here again, this is not always talking about a possession like this young man is here. If you're born again believer, the Holy Spirit is already in you. So we don't we cannot be possessed, but we can be oppressed. If a person is not born of God, then that means the spirit of God is not there. And then the spirit can traffic into the life. Are you hearing can traffic into the life and manifest its personality outside of the life. So they hear again. This is one reason why you need to be born again. You need to be born of God. You need to be serious because the things that are now being released out of hell are not a joke. Do you think that the spirit of murder has come upon the earth uh, as a, you know, as a coincidence all of a sudden in, in these end times? No, these are things that are being released from hell. That are going throughout the earth trying to find someone in whom it is like. Someone that has those traits already within them and that because it attracts them. It attracts that spirit to them and then the spirit simply jumps in and does what it wants to do. And many times jump out and then the person is left holding the bag. It's a spirit that traffics in and out. It's a spirit that riles people up. You see someone with the spirit of murder, chances are they've already been nursing some form of grudge or anger or hatred. There's something already in them that 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 evil spirit can identify and use. Are you hearing? This is why when you get when you get really mad many times and you get out of control, then you begin to say stuff that you I mean, these, the stuff that you say when you're angry, these aren't new things that you just thought about. Oh, I just thought about this to say this to you. No, these are things that you've already wanted to say, but your guards were up, so you didn't say it. But when your guard is down and um, negative emotions have the tendency to break your guards down. Sadness has a, a tendency to break your guards down. Doom, gloom, depression. Tendency to break your guards down. Anger, hostility, break your guard down. And even when you're overly tired, have a tendency to break your guard down. When you're in pain, extreme pain has a tendency to break your guard down. And when your guard is down, what's in you will come out of you if you poke it the right way. Are you hearing? So to guard against that, what we do, we have to make sure that what's in us is not offensive. We got to make sure we keep our hearts clean because when the opportunity arises, oh, it will come out. The only reason it has not come out is because inwardly you're pretty strong. But the time of weakness will come. 
I can't get nobody to talk. Belinda said amen. Diane said amen. All right. Well, we're going to get it in the next, possibly next Sunday. I want to get further into this and show you more examples. Because you see, at the end of this, the, the disciples asked, Lord, why couldn't we do it? And you'll see how the Bible, how the Lord says you couldn't do it because of your unbelief. Unbelief meaning your lack of faith or your faithlessness. Lack of faith or faithlessness. In other words, you didn't have, you didn't have enough faith to complete this transaction. How much is required? Jesus says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved. All right. So I wonder, do we have a size of a faith the size of a mustard seed? All right. So, but to fix that, the Lord says here, you can go into prayer, time of prayer and time of fasting. And that will generate the faith that's needed to push this thing out of your way. So if you're going through a time right now and we're closing, if you're going through a time right now where something is trafficking in and out and you're tired of it and you're tired of it and you're tired of it, this is what I would tell you to do in accordance to the word of God. Go into a time of prayer and fasting. What can I eat? What can I eat? You're already in the wrong mindset right there all together. You're not tired enough yet. You're not tired of it yet. What? You're not tired of it yet. If you want this to end and people, we can lay hands on you. We can, we can fill up a, the baptismal pool back there with oil and we can submerge you in there with your own oxygen tank and you know, the, and you're under the water and you're breathing oxygen while your whole body submerged. And you're under the water, you're breathing that oxygen while your whole body, you're just floating in olive oil. And you are breathing the air. I'm sorry, it won't do anything. It won't do a thing until you get sick and tired of it yourself and ready to move forward. Hallelujah. We're done for today. Let's give the Lord a, let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed today's message right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Don't forget to sign up for the Kingdom Inspirational Video Blog. We're going to send you short inspirational clips that will bless you on a weekly basis. So sign up today right there at KingdomRock.org. That's www.KingdomRock.org. And if you're in the Bremen area, come on and stop by and visit us in a live service. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. Remember, Sunday morning is at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night starts at 7 o'clock. We'll be so glad to see you. Well, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. See you soon.